0: Corey DeAngelis, a Senior Fellow at the School Choice Now, Executive Director at the EF Institute, also the author of a new book, Mediocrity, 40 Ways Government Schools Are Failing Today's Students. Corey, welcome to the program. How are you?
1: Hey, doing well. I'm actually in Raleigh right now. Thanks for having me on air.
0: Absolutely. So what brings you to North Carolina? You're not uh, you're not from North Carolina, are
1: you? Uh, no, I'm actually from Texas, but North Carolina is poised to go all in on School Choice, which will make North Carolina the set. Seventh state in just two years to allow all families to access education freedom. It'll be the first state with a Democratic governor to do so as well. If all Republicans hold together, and they are uh, doing so right now, as co-sponsors in both chambers, all Republicans have signed on, which gives them just enough votes to override the hypocrite governor, Roy Cooper's, expected veto. He, he sent his own kid to private school, which is great for him, but he shouldn't really be fighting against school choice for, for less advantaged families.
0: I did notice also the other day you uh, you pointed that out when he issued uh, the statement it is every single budget that he proposes over the la- has proposed they all call for the elimination of the opportunity scholarship program here and uh with the switch by Trisha Cotham uh from Arnica the Woods here in Mecklenburg County her switch from Democrat to Republican uh and she uh, she used to be an educator in the public school system and and now she's on board with school choice. i, I got to believe, and you, you're you're working this issue nationally. Are you aware of a similar kind of uh, of story that she has?
1: I mean, look, if you ask Democratic voters if they support school choice, it's overwhelmingly a uh, majority of Democratic voters support school choice. The latest real clear opinion research polling from uh, nationwide has, has found 72% of voters support school choice with supermajority support, two-thirds support among Republicans, Democrats, and Independents. It just so happens that a lot of the uh, politicians in the Democratic Party are owned by the teachers unions and who you mentioned earlier, Randy Weingarten, who her American Federation of Teachers, who who fought to keep the schools closed as long as possible, even though she's trying to rewrite history, 99.97% of their campaign contributions last year from AFT went to Democrats. So that's why you see a lot of uh, hypocrisy from Democratic elected officials on this issue, because and and just logical inconsistencies. Where they support uh, allowing funding to follow the student for higher education with Pell grants, they support it for pre-K with Head Start programs, but when it comes to the in-between years of K to 12 education, you have the Democrats. Um, being hypocrites on the issue and it's it's all because of power dynamics with the teachers union and and trisha Cotham switching parties on the issue of school choice should teach the Democratic Party that they're alienating a lot of their voters so much that they've lost one of their own sitting legislators on the issue and and Cotham isn't just you know supportive of school choice she is leading the issue in North Carolina with uh, House Bill 823, their universal school choice bill. She is the primary sponsor
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, with all Republicans signed on in both chambers.
0: Right. Yeah. Is she. she, um, I've talked with a, a former Democratic lawmaker. Well, he's still a Democrat, but he's a former state lawmaker as well. A fellow by the name of Marcus Brandon. Uh, right. And he sort of, same idea. Like he, he, he's been trying to, you know, bring his party to this school choice issue for years and um, and he cites the same the same influence. There's no other explanation for it. And, and he's an African-American man. And he's like, I, you know, among black voters, among black Democrats, this is a popular issue. What are we doing? And they they won't budge. They just won't budge.
1: But but you know what? Some Democrats are coming along. I mean, and the, the reason for that is because for far too long in K to 12 education, the only special interest represented the employees in the system, the adults. But now, thankfully, the kids have a union of their own and they're called parents. And you, you, look, you, look at what happened to Terry McAuliffe in Virginia in a state that went 10 points to Biden. He lost on the issue of education freedom to Glenn Youngkin, the Republican, by six points with education voters, according to Washington Post exit polling. And that was the number two issue in the election. And since then, we've had the uh, Josh Shapiro, the now governor of Pennsylvania, he put in education savings account, school choice, into his education uh, plan right before the midterm elections, and it's because... He didn't want a Virginia to happen to him, even though he was up by double digits in the polls. Josh Shapiro flipped on school choice right before the election. In -hmm. other states, in Nebraska, we had three Democrats co-sponsor a school choice bill this year. So there's some flips going on. I think that's the path towards bipartisanship going forward on the issue is that Republicans lean into this as a political winner in the short term. And then in the long term, Democrats will start to defect because they'll start to understand that parents are the more powerful union than the the teachers' unions.
0: Yeah. North Carolina, you said, was the seventh state to go uh, all in on school choice in just two years. All right. So what role do you think the pandemic played in this shift?
1: Yeah, we really need to give Randy Weingarten and the teachers unions a school choice champion award because they've inadvertently done more to advance the concept of education freedom than anyone could have ever imagined. I mean, they fought to keep the schools closed as long as possible. They even lobbied the CDC. I mean, they, they lobbied the CDC to keep the schools closed. It's just absolutely ridiculous. The CDC wasn't following the science, they were following the political science. But the one unintended benefit is that parents got Got to see what the heck was going on in the classroom, parents who, who thought that their kids were in great public schools because of their ratings or because of their test scores started to see something that was more important than that could ever be captured by a standardized test, which is whether the school's curriculum aligns with their values. Look, vodi Bauckham said it best, we cannot continue to send our children to Caesar for their education and be surprised when they come home as Romans. Well, the good news is, Parents aren't surprised anymore. They've woken up, they're pushing back, and politicians from both parties would be wise to listen to them going forward.
0: So I have to ask about uh, Randy Weingarten. Um, were you en route to North Carolina when you saw the PolitiFact tweet that she sent out? I thought that's very nice of her to give you something to do on your flight, if it was.
1: Uh, yes. <laughs> this morning, uh, the community note was actually uh, slapped onto her tweet, uh, for listeners who don't know, this is a, a new thing that started since Elon Musk uh, uh, got on board in charge of Twitter, and you know, the, the community can can put together suggested fact checks on tweets, and it requires people from differing backgrounds and opinions uh, to to agree with the fact check for it to happen. So, Randy Weingarten is just getting ratioed into oblivion, but also now getting fact checked, uh, even with her fake politifact. Uh, fact-checked article that she put out. She actually had her pinned tweet at the top of her profile switched uh, every day, three days in a row, <laughs> to try to avoid the community notes because they kept coming after her. <laughs> but uh, she got community notes hit on all three of her pinned tweets for the last three days in a row. It's just absolutely glorious to watch unfold. But look, the the, the real way to hold Randy Weingarten accountable for all this is to pass school choice. That is what the teachers unions and the superintendents fight hardest against is what threatens their, their power and their monopoly uh, to allow families to vote with their feet. And you know what? what's, what's great with all of this is if you like your public school, you can keep your public school with, with all of these proposals, un- unlike with your doctor. You can actually do it with schools. So <laughs> right. In fact, the public schools get better in response to competition as we've seen all across the nation, and we should expect similar results in North Carolina.
0: Corey DeAngelis, senior fellow at School Choice Now, author of the new book, Mediocrity, 40 Ways Government Schools Are Failing Today's Students. Uh, Enjoy your time in North Carolina. Thanks so much for spending some of it with us. I appreciate it, Corey. Yeah, thanks so much, Pete. Oh, hey, real quick. Before I forget, Carolina Readiness Supply is prepping for its annual Heritage Life Skills event. It's coming up in July, and you can learn how to be better prepared and self-sufficient in the event of any emergency. Things like homesteading, canning, water storage— Radio communications, herbal remedies, home defense, fermenting vegetables, all sorts of stuff. This is what Carolina Readiness Supply does. For beginners all the way to the most experienced preppers, Carolina Readiness Supply can help. Get your tickets now at carolinareadiness.com. That's carolinareadiness.com. Veteran-owned Carolina Readiness Supply. Will you be ready when the lights go out? I want to welcome back to the program Tyler Voigt. He's the Deputy State Director at the uh, Americans for Prosperity North Carolina Chapter. Hey Tyler, how are you?
2: Hey Pete, doing great. How are you doing? Today?
0: I'm doing all right. Welcome back. How was your trip to the border, by the way?
2: It was it was eye-opening, I'll say that. There was a lot, of, uh, a lot of stuff that I really never expected to see down there. You don't really understand what's going on with this crisis until you see it with your own eyes. I mean, we see all the cable news shows talking about it, but you until you get that first person experience down there, you don't really see what's going on, yeah. so
0: uh, how many were you able to cross over, cross back, cross over, cross back with, no, I'm kidding. um I, I, I would be I would be curious to see if some like a media person were to like do do that. just see how many times you could go back and forth across the border. I guess I don't know, you'd probably have to pay the cartels a lot. Um anyway, so let's talk though about school choice because uh, you guys are getting ready to have a bit of a uh, of a gathering as I understand it.
2: Yes, sir. It's a uh, it's a really exciting day. I think uh, Representative Cosham said it said it well yesterday. It's an exciting day for North Carolina families, uh, where we are very close. Something a lot of people have been working on for a long time: opening up education freedom to families. And I think the important thing about this bill is it is universal. It is going to impact every single child and family in North Carolina.
0: So I, I read uh, Andrew Dunn's piece over at Longleaf Politics a, a couple of days ago. Um, and uh, he he said that it's it's almost like the uh, the way that they built the Republican legislature built into this school choice bill these these different tiers of essentially refunded money right uh, back to in the form of the the opportunity scholarships or the vouchers right that if you make over a certain amount of money you only get like forty five percent of the voucher total and. He he said it. It almost seems like they're not really they don't really understand <laughs> like the whole point of school choice. But when they put in these tiers, but he recognized and I think he's right on this is that there was a there's a messaging benefit to these tiers. So what, do you, what what's your take on the, the different levels uh, of the uh, of the voucher amounts based on income?
2: Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think there's a messaging benefit uh, to the tiers. But at AFP, we'd love to see the program be completely universal, where the funding has uh, equal levels across all uh, across all students in North Carolina. But at the end of the day, uh, this program will be universal. Every kid is going to have access to it. That's not something we were able to say yesterday. Um, and so this is just a giant step forward for North Carolina families. We're, we'd love to see it.
0: So are you aware of any additional support that might be had from any Democrats?
2: Right now, um, m- maybe. I'll say that, like uh, like Corey just said, there's Democrats across the country that are open to this idea. I think mm-hmm. they see public support for these programs um, is is sky high and that's bipartisan support. So right now, um, I'm going to let their voting do the talking on the floor um, in the House and the Senate. We hope to see a couple Democrats come over. We'd love to see this be a bipartisan effort. We certainly look at it as a bipartisan um, kind of bill. We've been working with uh, former Democrat state Rep. Marcus
0: uh, Marcus um, Brandon. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Uh, Marcus Brandon on this bill for quite a while. Um, so this has been a bipartisan effort from the get, and we would love to see we'd love to see um, the votes reflect that.
0: Yeah. Wait, Marcus Brandon or Brandon Marcus? Wait a minute. Why am I? Marcus Brandon. Marcus Brandon. Yeah. Okay. All right. I don't know why yeah. I thought for a moment. that It's like when you write the word and it doesn't look like it's spelled correctly. Okay. Um, so uh, Governor Cooper called this bill worse than awful. He said, <laughs> which I don't know what is worse than awful, but that's what he called it. Uh, he says it's going to give out billions of North Carolina taxpayer dollars in vouchers that can be used by billionaires to send their kids to private schools. In other words, you're, you're trying to uh, give all this money to the billionaires. What's your response to that criticism? I've heard from others also, besides the governor.
2: Yeah, I think uh, I think like Corey was talking about with the Twitter fact checks so that came on there pretty quick to talk about the uh, countless billionaires, which actually turned out to be four, um, <laughs> none of them with school age children who are going to be who are going to be using this program. So I think it's a I think it's a convenient boogeyman for the governor to kind of make. It's a it's an unoriginal boogeyman because it's something we hear uh, across the board on pretty much any issue that they disagree with. But it's a convenient one for him to make. But in, in reality, this is going to be poor middle class families who are going to have access to this, who didn't have access before. It's going to open up countless opportunities for their families. And and the, the governor and, and his allies who oppose this can paint this as something I giveaway for the rich. When in reality, anybody looking at this situation understands it's just, that's just simply not true.
0: Right. I do recall you. Yes. For folks who didn't catch that, he he says there are four billionaires in North Carolina and none of them have school aged children. <laughs> so, yeah, fact check false. I'm sure the uh, W.R.A.L. folks will get right on that fact check. Um, le- so uh, which is uh, and uh, I know like, I like for people who aren't on Twitter, the the creation of the community notes uh, like I, I, so we need to make this happen, by the way, We're, we should use the term noted. You got noted like ratioed. You got noted. Um, which means that basically the users fact check you or someone when they post something that's not true. They're doing the job that PolitiFact and the WRAL fact checkers don't do. Um one one last question. What are you going to do now? This is like this thing gets across the finish line. What is the is there a next phase or a next step for school choice?
2: Yeah, I, I think right now we have other bills that we're interested in too, and that's open enrollment, partial enrollment. We want to see Schools be a more a la carte kind of model where kids can do what's best for them. And open enrollment, uh, a lot of counties in our states are doing this already, uh, is where you're not determined, you're not bound by your zip code if you want to go to a different public school. So there's uh, there's some next obvious steps we want to take. But in reality, um, the, the schooling that uh, my daughter, who's three, is going to be Going through in 10 years, if that's invented right now, I think we're failing as an as an organization. We're failing as a country. We want to see schools be more innovative. Um, we want to see uh, teachers be more innovative. We want to see this program transform. And I think the state getting out of the way um, in this and really opening up these these opportunities for kids is going to be a great next step. So a lot of work to do, um, but I think we're we have active and activist base in the state that's hungry for it.
0: Tyler Voigt, Deputy State Director of Americans for Prosperity, the North Carolina chapter, the website americansforprosperity.org. Tyler, always good to talk with you. Thanks, buddy. consider supporting one of the businesses that make it possible lots of gift ideas for that person who loves the military style for fashion or decor there really is something for everyone at old grouch's military surplus in beautiful downtown clyde and online at oldgrouch.com. andrew murray our former district attorney here in mecklenburg county he's now a da out in western north carolina henderson county and uh, a couple others i want to say what transylvania i forget uh is it transylvania county I'm sorry, I'm looking at this. uh, But he's also, yes, he was also the former U.S. attorney um, here in Charlotte as well. Um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But then he heard from, he was recruited apparently to run for DA, or sorry, AG, um, by the Republican Attorneys General Association. Yeah, okay, Henderson County, Polk County, and Transylvania counties. You have to say it like that, too. Anyway, uh, he, uh, he said then he had a chat with Dan Bishop that led him to believe that he was, uh, first, uh, interested and then apparently a follow-up text and it convinced him that, quote, Bishop was committed to running. So hope you were ready to announce that, Dan, <laughs> Andrew Murray just did for you. <laughs> uh, all right, uh, let me get back to this, uh, the school choice, this, uh, there's a piece by Neil McCluskey at Cato.org a couple of uh, a couple of weeks back. And uh, it said, it seems like no matter where you live, you don't have to look too far to see uh, your fellow Americans fighting over whose values, histories, and more will be taught in public schools. They're fighting over advanced placement, African-American studies in Florida, gender identity in Texas, sex ed in New Jersey, merit and equity in Virginia, Native American history in South Dakota, ethnic studies in California, and dirty books here in Charlotte. And on and on it goes. The institution that was supposed to foster unity among diverse people, public schooling, is instead a constant battleground. Why? Because it leaves people with opposed values little option but to battle for supremacy i told this to a person on twitter just today about a different matter it's about the abortion bill that was introduced last night i will get to that i've got audio from the press conference and i did read through the bill they say read the bill who reads the bill anymore i read it it's 46 pages took me like 30 minutes because a lot of it's just the definitions you know and whatever I'll get to it back to this piece by Neil McCluskey at Cato.org. He says the fact that we have no other options except to battle it out for control where the losers either fail to get what they believe their children need with the tax money they are required to pay, right? They're getting something unwanted imposed on their kids or they're getting both. Right? You either don't get what you want or you get something that you really don't want or you get a combination of the two if you lose, right? If you lose the political argument in the public school uh, environment, enabling all diverse people to access the education they believe is right but that others might find unacceptable is a major argument for school choice and one that... The Cato Institute CEF has long emphasized Cato CEF. I don't know what that uh, Cato education fund, maybe foundation, whatever. Um, But Cato has been on board for this very reason. It's so funny too, when I have these discussions with people that want me to get all outraged when they're like, they're going to take money and send it to a Christian school. All right, well then don't send your kid there. But that's my tax money. Uh, They shouldn't be sending it there. Okay. So are we going to get to now choose do I have a say in where my tax money goes? Because, like, I got some ideas <laughs> that I, things I don't want to be spending money on, right? So here's the deal, right? Y'all had the opportunity to run the schools, and by y'all I mean, you know, predominantly the left, right? You guys had this opportunity to run the government schools in this secularized way, Right? kick God out, no more Pledge of Allegiance required, uh, you, you know, uh, no more Bible passages and, you know, separation of church and state, all you know, all of the things that you guys said that, you know, the schools had to do in order to, you know, hew to the founding principles while not teaching founding principles. But, like, like that's—you guys made all of these arguments and you built this institution to be something else that now parents object to, that a good number of parents— are not cool with the values you are transmitting. And I mean, you, there's a story today. Our own Mark Garrison, WBT News Director, he's got the story. Is this another book? I think this is another book now, uh, or another incident regarding the dirty books out of Palisades High School in southwest uh, Mecklenburg. My old stomping grounds down there near Lake Wiley, the Palisades, right before you cross over to uh, South Carolina. And um, what? some teachers are, are like they're they're showing these books to the kids on a Zoom call or something or a video, and they're like, "Hey, come get these books." I mean, when you when you start foisting this stuff upon the student body and the parents object to what you are foisting, you cannot act surprised when they rise up against the foisting you are foisting. Stop the foisting. We should do some bumper stickers. Stop the foisting. It is also a major reason that people have advocated for education funds to either allow children to go to their chosen schools or go directly to diverse institutions for more than two centuries, as you can see in a new resource officially launching today called Cato's School Choice Timeline. So, no, I don't. I don't have a particular objection to parents making the choice because, again, my default is always towards the freedom side of the equation, right? When you've got this time or not timeline, but you have a, uh, dare I call it a spectrum? No, it's it's a line. No government, total government. That's the line. Anarchy, tyranny. And you want to be closer to the anarchy side than the tyranny side. I'm not an anarchist. I believe there has to be government. I do. I believe that society orders itself in order to provide for the most amount of freedom to be enjoyed by the most amount of people economic activity to flourish uh freedom to flourish and i don't think you get that with anarchy because when you have anarchy then you have might makes right and people will you know use force to obtain stuff um and so you want to guard against that and that's the purpose rightful purpose of this organization we call govco right um the problem is is that for a long time, people want GovCo to do all sorts of things that they think are good. And then, you know, you turn around in a century later and all of a sudden now it's telling your kids, you know, it's OK uh, to, you know, keep secrets from mommy and daddy about whether or not you are a boy or a girl. So, yeah, parents object. But Pete, what, what if they go to like some they're going to use it like some Islamic schools? OK, why do you care? This is the thing that gets me. Why do you care? Oh, because you care more about the future of the society than I do? Like, that's quite an assumption to make without knowing anything about me because I choose school choice over government monopoly that you think I don't care about the future of the society because people aren't going to get educated the way you think they need to be educated. They're not going to learn about evolution in these Christian schools. Yeah, they're probably going to learn how to knife people or to avoid being knifed by kids in the hallway right i guess they're going to learn all about the 72 uh, genders and and how to shoot tiktok videos i don't know it's the kind of mm, mm. yeah people learn all sorts of stupid stuff and they don't learn all sorts of important stuff at the govco schools right now like you guys have not achieved some utopian perfect vision of schools that we're supposed to compare charters private schools right home schools like you you want us to compare The worst examples of those with, like, this this shining example of a government-run school where everybody graduates with a 100 average. Do they actually give 100 averages anymore? Or are they up to, like, 150? I don't know. They inflate these things. Now, I don't even know. Uh, Neil McCluskey at Cato.org. Unveiling Cato's new school choice timeline. Features dates, descriptions, and links to deeper reading on the history of school choice. And you need this. First and foremost, he says, so people can see the evolution of the choice idea, but it's also needed to dispel a pernicious myth that was propagated by the opponents of school choice. Namely, and I mentioned this the other day, namely that school choice began with white families trying to dodge racial integration after Brown v. Board of Education, after the Supreme Court ruling 1954, which ended legally mandated segregation, In the public schools, forced racial segregation is like the most glaring example of public schooling failing utterly to treat diverse people equally. Right. That was the government schools that did that. That was GovCo that did that. But it's not the only one. Keep in mind, the American public schooling system, as we know it, government funded, government established, right, government run these schools for all, it only traces back to around 1837 when Horace Mann became the first education secretary in Texas. And it shouldn't really surprise anybody that public funding enabled numerous private options versus just government schools. Right? Government schooling had to exist before choice became an alternative. Right? School choice was the original. That was the first one. That said, the school choice timeline begins in 1780 with the Massachusetts Constitution, heavily influenced by John Adams, aka Paul Giamatti. He called it. Uh, he called on legislatures and magistrates to support all seminaries that teach literature and the sciences. <gasps> Seminaries—that sounds religious—and to encourage private societies and public institutions for the promotion of agriculture, arts. Sciences, commerce, trades, manufacturing, natural history, all of it, all of it. That this was in the constitution of that state as a colony had arguably the first public schooling law, right? That's pretty telling. Before Horace Mann's crusade, many governments had already been helping to fund a variety of educational options. Once Horace Mann's non sectarian Public schooling, and by the way, that meant Protestant, okay? right. Once his non-sectarian public schooling started taking hold, no group demanded choice more vehemently or widely than Roman Catholics. Roman Catholics. Groups including the KKK sought to wipe out private schooling. Did you know that? Right, because they thought it wasn't creating proper Americans. Catholics were not alone in asking for choice in the 1830s. In 1845, New Jersey Presbyterian Synod called for allowing taxpayers to designate the religious denomination that would receive their school taxes. Um, It has become increasingly clear, including to retired U.S. Supreme Court Justice Stephen Breyer, that public schooling, which must be secular, inherently discriminates against religious Americans. Right? Of course it does. Because it transmits a value system captured by the left, which is hostile to religion. I mean, these are people that say you shouldn't even be allowed to pray in public. Right? They make these legal arguments, (laughs) they go to court over this stuff. How dare you gather at the flagpole before class starts? Because my tax dollars fund that school and That flagpole is on that school property, and if you show up and say a silent prayer at that flagpole, then somehow or another, that is instituting an organized religion, a a state-mandated religion. And it, it doesn't. But this is their argument. This is their belief. So do you think people with that belief are going to, you know, Give religion a fair shot in the inside the building when they don't even let you pray at the flagpole. I mean, come on. So yes, it inherently is discriminatory against religious Americans. Stephen Breyer has not advocated for such a legal finding, but he has seen the logical endpoint of jurisprudence that's based on government religious neutrality. Public schooling, at least absent choice for religious families, is itself unconstitutional. There you go. History is clear: freedom, not force is what we need in education. Again, that's at cato.org by Neil McCluskey. Up next, we're going to talk to the North Carolina Insurance Commissioner. Stick around for that.